Well, good morning, church family. Praise the name of the Lord. As always, we like to open up by saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and tell, and tell them, I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to be glad that the fact that today is the day that the Lord has made. Every day is the day that the Lord has made. Every single day is a blessing from the Lord Most High. Every single day is a kiss from Almighty God to every single one of his children. And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly glad for that. I'm glad for uh, the weather, uh, whether your weather is not that great today. Ours is beautiful. Uh, whether whatever it is that's going on in your life, the fact remains that God blessed us with this day. Hallelujah. And we are so glad for that. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning. We bless those in our church family over in Miami Springs. God bless you. Pastor and I send our blessings over to you. And we say that we love you and we uh, are, are always praying for you. Amen. And we're just so excited. Listen, I'm going to just start off right off the bat and letting you know that I'm going to need some feedback from y'all, okay? Although I may not necessarily be hearing your amens, your hallelujahs, your clapping, your shouting, your screaming, your hollering, your whooping, you're standing up and praising the Lord, that's okay. In spirit, I'm there, amen? And if you're home watching us this morning, you do the same because you know what? The Lord is hearing you and the Lord is pleased with your praising his name and just uh, shouting hallelujahs and shouting amen. So I'm going to just let, let's just go ahead and start with a practice session. Amen. So right there where you're at, if you're a church, if you're a word of faith, global ministries, all right, if you're watching online, I want you to put your hands together and praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout, come on, you can do a little bit better than that. I know that our ministers are watching you. They're going to go around and they're going to look at you. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm here to cheer you on because God is so good. God is so good and we have to be cheerful. We have to be joyful. We have to be thankful. We have to be grateful because every day is a gift from our Lord in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated for those of you that stood up this morning, but we continue with our series this month, the month of October. Wow. Amazing. We're in the fall season. How beautiful. Amen. But we're continuing this month in our series entitled, Keep Your Lamp Trimmed and Burning. And has it been a blessing for you? I don't know about you, but it's been a blessing for me. Pastor kicked it off at the beginning of this month. Last week, uh, the Lord gave a powerful word uh, that I gave on, on Sunday. And I pray to God that if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, go back to our library, go back to wordoffaithglobal.org, go to our YouTube page, our Facebook page and listen to it. Because today I'm going to bring you part two of last week's message. We're going to touch a little bit on some of the things that we touched last week. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to feel as though you missed something. So you've got to go back and take a listen. That's why it's so important to be a church, folks. Amen. That's why it's so important not to miss messages because a lot of times the Lord will have us uh, piggyback, if you will, on top of the message given from the week before. You don't want to be left off guard. You don't want to be left 
um, in the in the in the dark and not understanding what we uh, have been saying. So again, today I'm going to be bringing part two. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us uh, via uh, uh, online on Facebook or YouTube. Welcome to the family of God, to Word of Faith Global Ministries. If this is your first time watching us, we bless you. Uh, I want those of our family members that uh, watch us on Facebook and, and uh, YouTube to go ahead and start your watch parties and begin to invite, invite your friends and your family to join us this uh, morning. For those of you that are in the Miami-Dade or Broward area, we welcome you to come and visit us at 81 Hook Square in the city of Miami Springs. We're not far from Miami International Airport. And uh, you can look us up online at wordoffaithglobal.org and you can uh, come and visit us. We start our, our morning uh, services on Sundays at 10. And right about 11 o'clock this time is when we go live. Uh, we live stream. So as you know, this month we've been covering the parable of the ten virgins. Can you say amen? And I, I, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I like to just, um, no, not, not sometimes, but a lot of times I like to go much deeper into uh, some of the parables and some of the things that Jesus taught because there's much more to the surface. Amen. There's much more to just what you normally read. Like sometimes when you pick up a book and you read and you read it, you put it in the, in the shelf and you say, yeah, I did read that book once. But the Bible is so different. The Bible is not just any book. The Bible is a book to be um, revered, obviously. The Bible is a book to be um, studied to to dig deeper in to because god has so much to say in his word uh besides what you normally might uh read in the surface so i encourage you this morning you know pastor and i are always saying that and our ministers in our church is that it's so vital for a, a child of God, a, a person who considers himself a follower of Jesus Christ to study this word on a daily basis and really dig deeper, uh, search some of the commentaries um, that, that are reliable sources. And the spirit of God will begin to reveal to you some amazing things that are uh, shown in the word of God. And this is our prayer for every single one of you is that you would you would gain a hunger and a desire to want to know not not just know God more, but know him through his word all the more, because it is through his word that we get to know the father's heart all the more. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to get ready um, this morning because I'm going to be covering quite a bit of scripture verses with you. I uh, messaged our church family yesterday and I and I told them, hey, get ready, uh, get your Bibles ready, get uh, your highlighters and your pens uh, ready because today you're going to you're we're going to be going through some scriptures. If I go a little fast, just jot down the references of the scriptures, and you can visit them at a later time. So we're going to get right to it this morning, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 25. We've been reading these verses since the beginning of the month, and I, I will tell you this, that for some time now, the Lord has been giving me several topics to discuss and to study more and to bring uh, to your attention and to 
um, share with our church family and our and our uh, online audience as well. And uh, believe it or not, this is one of the ones that the Lord gave me some time ago. Together, if you all remember, I. I gave you um, uh, the series on the seven churches uh, in, in Revelation. And so we, we've already done that. But this one in particular, God has instilled in my heart. And I kept wondering, when am I going to uh, do this message, Lord? And so this, this is it. This is it. This month is actually it. Uh, when when we begin the message, you're going to basically understand where I'm going because I'm going to give you actually the title of what we call the message today. But keep your lamp trimmed and burning has to do with the parable of the ten virgins. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter number 25. I want you to turn there real quick this morning and we're going to start reading in verse number one and we're going to go through verse number 13 and it reads as follows. I'm going to read from the NASB version. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. So they were prepared. They took both things. They took the oil and they took their lamps. Verse number five says, now while the bridegroom was delaying, I asked you last week to highlight this. They all got drowsy and began to sleep. You see, while the bridegroom was actually delaying, they got tired and they grew, they grew sleepy and they did all fall asleep. Verse number six says, but at midnight, hallelujah, turn to the person next to you and say, but at midnight, <laughs> but at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him verse number seven says then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps the foolish said to the prudent give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the prudent answered no there there won't be enough there will not be enough for us and you too go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves watch verse 10 and while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feasts. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feasts. And the door was shut. Verse 11 says, Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up. For us, But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I want us to pray this morning. Father in heaven, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this message came straight from your throne room. And it is an on-time message. It is a message for your body. It is a message for your believers. It is a message for your bride. It is a message for your church. 
And it is an alarming message for those that don't believe in you, Lord, for them to come to the fold and come to know you as Lord, as Messiah, as Redeemer, and as Savior. I pray that this word, Lord, would fall today on good soil and it would produce much fruit. I pray this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen, and amen. I want to thank Pastor Hilda for leading the flow of worship and the flow of service this morning and for the introduction. We bless you and we thank all of our ministers and all of our leaders and all of our those that serve in our ministry, the greeters and the ushers and the teachers and the media team. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. We say we love you. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. The title of tonight, today's message is, Are You Dressed and Ready to Go? Are you dressed and ready to go? Look at the person on your other side, the one that you've been ignoring all this time, and say, are you dressed and ready to go? Hallelujah. Last week, I showed you the menorah. We're not going to go over showing you those pictures and the, showing you the menorah again this morning. However, I did, I did bring the lamp that I showed you last week. I want to show it to you again. But I showed you the menorah, which is also referred to as the lampstand or candlestick. And we made uh, specific correlations to the fact that it, re, it had to remain lit at all times in the holy place of the temple. I also showed you this lamp. Uh, this is not the menorah. For those of you that might not understand, but this is a lamp. And this would have been something very similar to what uh, the lamps and the, the things that uh, people used back in the day of Jesus' day where they had to uh, turn on the lamp in their homes. And so the oil had to be placed in here in this vessel. And here's the wick. And so they had to always maintain oil inside the lamp in order to have it lit. We actually picked this up on one of our trips to Israel. So I wanted to show this to you again um, this morning. But I want to refer uh, once again uh, just very briefly to the menorah and how it had to be lit in the holy place. And those of you that are students of mine, when we have uh, talked about the, the temple and the tabernacle, there was the holy place. That, that it, this was the actual building um, of the temple, and it had two sections. It was the holy place, and behind the veil, it was the most holy place or the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. But before there, uh, you saw the candlestick or the menorah. This candlestick, this lampstand, this menorah had to be lit 24-7. It could not go out. It bears significance to review today some of the points that we made last week. And I want to bring to your attention, for example, how we shared how trimming the lamp wicks to keep them burning brightly was a critical and daily task of the priest. Uh, the lampstand or the menorah could never go out on the penalty of death. Very, very crucial. That meant that somebody had to be awake and watchful at all times, at all times. Somebody always had to be awake to make sure there was oil in it and that the light never went out. Now, each cup was refilled with oil. You saw the picture last week of the priest uh, going to the menorah and stepping on the steps that I explained and uh, refilling the oil. 
um, and gold tweezers were used to remove the oiled wicks and uh, and relight the new wicks for the for the light. Uh, so one of the implications here with the menorah is that our lights need to constantly be burning. You you know you might think, well, what does that have anything to do with me? Well, it it bears a lot of weight to understand uh, many of the things that not just went on in the temple, uh, but actually the the temple service of the priests uh, very much correlate with our own lives. And so we are to be lights in this dark world. Can you say amen to that? How can we be the light of Jesus if we are not lit? If our lamp is not burning? If our light is not bright? How can we be lights in this dark world? Amen. So we must take constant care of our spiritual walk with the Lord, lest our lights go out. Now, I want you to pay attention to that, to that sentence I just shared, because if our spiritual walk with the Lord is lacking, then that means that our light becomes dimmer and dimmer. If we stop going to church, if we stop communing, communing with our brothers and sisters, if we stop praying, if we stop reading our word, if we begin to uh, step away from the things of God, not, not joining ourselves with brothers and sisters, asking each other to pray for one another, if we start pushing that aside, amen, then what happens is that spiritually speaking, our light begins to grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And before you know it, we're like the 10 foolish virgins that say, give us some oil. It, our light is going out. And you see, there's going to come a time where that's going to be too late. So that's something that we have to work on in our spiritual walk with God. We have to be in constant prayer. We have to be in constant reading of the word of God because the more we get the word of God in us, the more that we can produce that word outwardly and become that light in this dark world. Do you understand this? Say amen, hallelujah. So although Solomon built the temple in the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses, he increased the number of the sacred furniture used which included the menorah. We talked a little bit about this last week, if you all remember. During the time of Solomon's temple, he actually constructed 10 golden menorahs or lampstands, five to be placed on the left and five to be placed on the right. And no one really knows why Solomon chose to increase the number of the sacred furnishings to 10, perhaps because he built such a huge temple uh, for the Lord, uh, but nobody really understands or knows why. But I personally find it very interesting, uh, the, the interesting correlation in that the parable uh, we've been studying uh, here on the, the 10 virgins is that there are 10 virgins at that their lights had to be on all the time. Albeit we know that five were foolish and five were wise. Amen. So once again, let's keep in mind that God uses earthly examples to explain spiritual truths. I, I never want you to lose, the, lose sight of that. Uh, God uses earthly examples, things that we can, things that are tangible to us, things that are understandable to us. He uses that to explain spiritual truths. Say amen. 
Hallelujah. So that we can get a better grasp of this parable in Matthew 25, 1 through 13 of the 10 virgins, we have to know the traditions of a Jewish wedding, particularly the Galilean traditional wedding. And this is where we're going to go to this morning. Last week, we touched on this briefly, but today we'll expound on it some more and tie it in with scriptures. I promised we would do that last week, and so here we are of uh, this week. Here, let me give you a quick review, is that, so that you can uh, understand it a little bit, and as kind of like a, um, uh, a, a a foundation, if you will, of what we're going to be discussing this morning. But a quick review is that first, a marriage consisted of two ceremonies, two ceremonies on two separate occasions. The first was the betrothal. We talked about that or uh, the formal engagement. It was a marriage contract. It was a marriage covenant. The Lord's been putting in my heart the word covenant quite a bit lately and uh, be on the lookout because in the future, um, the Lord wants to bring a, a very powerful message on covenant and what it means, what covenant actually means. So I want you to understand that, put that in the back burner of your mind and begin to look forward to it and pray about it. But so the first of the two ceremonies here was the betrothal. It was a formal engagement. It was a marriage contract, a covenant. And then the second was the actual wedding, which actually took place at a later time. Okay. I don't want you to miss that fact. At the betrothal, the bride became legally married, although she remained at her father's house until that day, the day of the wedding feast, because the groom ended up returning to his father's house. Guess what the groom went to do? He went to prepare a place for her. He went to go and prepare a place for his bride. So in the meantime, here was the bride at her father's house. And here was the groom at his father's house preparing a room. For his bride okay so during the engagement period she belonged she, uh, she belonged to her betrothed she belonged to him and could not belong to any other man as a matter of fact if she uh, in this betrothal period if she uh, went with another man it was actually adultery do you get that it was actually adultery, even though the wedding, the actual wedding ceremony had not taken place yet. Okay, keep that in mind. Jesus spoke purposefully in terminology that his audience would understand. I've said that many times. Pastor said that many times that Jesus didn't mince words. Yes, it's true. He never minced words, but his words were purposeful. For example, in the region of Galilee, the wedding traditions were different from general Jewish weddings. And so they would have plainly understood what Jesus was referring to. Amen. So here we go. Are you ready? I'm going to show you the steps of a Galilean tradition wedding, traditional wedding. 
I'm going to give you a brief description, kind of like what I did a moment ago, but with more detail. And then I'm going to follow it up with some verses. So I want you to get your Bibles ready and your pens and your highlighters because we're going to go at it this morning. So first, the first step, I just mentioned it, but I'm going to go in a little bit further. So the first step was the marriage covenant, the betrothal. So the father pays the bride price and establishes the marriage covenant. So here comes the father. He pays the bride price and establishes the marriage covenant. In this ceremony, I want you to listen to this. In this ceremony, the bridegroom offers the bride a cup of wine. He offers his bride a cup of wine. It's up to the bride to receive it. And upon taking and drinking from it, she is basically accepting the marriage covenant right then and there just by that act. Amen. The bridegroom, I'm sorry, the bride now becomes betrothed to the bridegroom. She is his, like I said a moment ago, and could not belong to another. The betrothal period of a typical Jewish wedding could take anywhere between one to two years. In a Galilean tradition, okay, the father, the father was the one that determined the time frame, and only he knew what that time frame would be. Go to Acts chapter number 20, verse number 28. Acts 20, 28 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of which of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So right there in this, in Acts 20, 28, and there, mind you, I, I'm giving you a lot of, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today, but there are plenty more. I just had to narrow it to quite a few so that you could be, get a better grip of it. But here in Acts 20, 28, it gives you the description of the fact that God purchased, that, that uh, uh, Jesus purchased us with his own blood. So the actual bride price was Jesus's blood. Do you get that? So we are then when we accept that, when we accept Jesus as our, I might be getting ahead of myself, but when we are, when we accept Jesus, when we accept that cup, we are then his, we are betrothed to him because he has paid his ultimate price, the ultimate price. And that is Jesus on the cross. He paid it with his precious blood. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number six in verses 19 through 20. If you want to turn there, I know I'm going to be going a little bit fast. I'll try to slow down, especially for uh, um, uh, Floor, who's translating this morning. Uh, Floor, bear with me. I pray for you, darling. In Jesus' mighty name, that the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance to be able to catch up as as uh, as we preach this morning. But First Corinthians chapter number six, verses nineteen and twenty says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own?" 
for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Do you see the correlation right there? You see, when we become children of the living God, when we have, when we get that covenant, when we begin that covenant, that new covenant with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the one who paid the bride price, we are not our own. Our, our bodies belong to the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are not our own. So for those of you that say, that might think, well, I can do anything that I want with my body. I can abort a child that's in my womb because it is my body. If you are a child of Christ, if you're a child of God and you have a covenant relationship with the Lord Almighty God and with Jesus Christ his, your per, as your personal Lord and your Savior, if you have that mindset, I'm here to tell you it is wrong. Can I get an amen to that? It does not fall in line with the word of God. Your body is not your own. You belong to him because Jesus paid the ultimate price for you to be his. We're not our own. So you see our bodies are his. Our bodies belong to him. Can I get an amen to that? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I love that. I can go so much deeper into that, but I'm not going to do so this morning. But this cup here is the one that we will be drinking uh, uh one of the, the the cups here that jesus is talking about uh in uh in matthew and in mark he he we're gonna we're gonna have that in the marriage uh supper of the lamb but here this is the new covenant so as g as as the picture of the bride receiving this cup from the bridegroom it is a new covenant hallelujah Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 uh, says the following. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. So this is that portion of what we just talked about in the marriage covenant or the betrothal. Those are the scriptures that I wanted to share with you. And you see how the correlation is so significant here. The second portion here is the preparation of the bridal chamber, the preparation of the bridal chamber. So what happens here is the son returns to his father's house and begins to prepare the bridal chamber because you see the, 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 the bride would then go to live with the bridegroom at the father's house. Amen. It was also, listen to this, how interesting, and I want you to just really 
take the sin and 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 ladies and gentlemen get excited about the word of god amen because look what it says here it was also typical for the bridegroom to send gifts to his bride as a reminder of his love for her it was typical of the bridegroom to send gifts to the bride as a reminder of his love for her here we go john 6 62 it says, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You see, Jesus went to the Father's house. He ascended. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day, and he ascended into heaven and is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. Watch what John 14, 1 through 3 says. Jesus says here, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my house, in my house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that excites me. So much, so much, and I could really get in there and 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 dissect that so much more for you. But I, I'm sure that you're picking up on what all of this means. We're going to keep going here. First Corinthians 12, 14. I mean, four through eleven. First Corinthians 12, four through eleven says, "Now there are variety of gifts." but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Verse eight says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the spirit by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues be one but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he will so here first corinthians 12 4 through 11 gives us a beautiful depiction of the fact that jesus did not leave us alone he left us with the holy spirit the holy spirit abides in us as a believer in jesus christ and so because of that he's left with it left us with so many gifts he gives us so many gifts. So while Jesus has gone to prepare a place for his bride, the church, amen, he has blessed us with these beautiful spiritual gifts. Say amen to that. Hallelujah. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus goes on to say, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper this is what we were just talking about at, that he may be with you forever you see he's not going to leave us alone amen that is the spirit of truth the spirit of 
truth is Ruach HaKodesh. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you, look at the person next to, him, next to you and say, but you, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus here is speaking of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, Ruach HaKodesh. That spirit of truth abides in us. It is a gift of the Father to those who believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus here and Jesus here says that the world cannot receive him the world doesn't understand the things of the spirit the world doesn't understand the Holy Spirit the world doesn't have the truth only we who are children of the living God who've come into covenant with Almighty God have the spirit of truth have the truth hallelujah John 14 26 Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And this is exactly what occurred with the disciples because they wrote the, the gospels. They wrote scripture. And so the Holy Spirit was the reminder, the one who reminded the disciples of all of the things that Jesus said to them amen and then we have uh john 14 um uh 14 16 through 7 i just i just read that and then 14 26 just for those of you that are writing it uh we just uh shared those scripture verses as well so once again to recap that portion of what a Galilean traditional wedding looks like. This is the part of the preparation of the bridal chamber. So correlating it once again, the son returns, Jesus returns to the father. The son returns to the father's house to prepare a, a place, a bridal chamber for the bride. Jesus is gone to prepare a place for us, the church. Amen. Step number three. For those of you taking notes, this is where the bride is fetched. The bride is fetched. Now, keep in mind, for those of you that know the study and have, and have been with us long enough to know that we believe in pre-tribulation rapture. This here would be the correlation of the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church to be with Jesus forevermore and we believe if you uh, uh do not know what i'm talking about i urge you and i encourage you to go to our library go to our youtube channel go to our facebook page and and search the teaching on the rapture that we gave we've given that many a times but most recently we gave it during the time of covid when we were locked in the lord laid in my heart to teach again on the rapture of the church i encourage you to go back to that and read uh, and hear that message. It's very important. Very, very important. So here in this step is the bride is fetched. Remember now we read in the parable of the ten virgins that the virgins had fallen asleep because they had gotten weary. They had gotten tired. They've gotten tired. However, all of a sudden the bridegroom comes because he's about to go fetch his bride. And this is the part of the traditional wedding. So at a time determined by the father, we said that exclusively, the only one who knew the time that the bridegroom had to 
that his bride was exclusively the father. Not even the groom knew. Not even the groom knew. So in this case, uh, Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour. Only the father in heaven of when he is coming back for his bride. Can I get an amen? Now watch this. Although the bride was expecting her groom to come for her, she did not know the time of his coming. Remember, in a, in, a, in a traditional Jewish wedding, it could have taken one to two years before that time. But in a Galilean tradition, the father was the only one that would say when the time came. So it could, it could have been at any given time. So prior to the return of the groom, it was customary. I want you to listen closely. It was customary for the bride to wear her wedding gown, her wedding dress, while she slept. While she slept. As she did not know when her groom would be coming for her. The groom's arrival was preceded by a shout which forewarned the bride of the bridegroom's arrival. Now you might think, well, that's awfully strange. You know, you're gonna get your 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 wedding gown all all wrinkled, and you know, by the time that the groom comes, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be all you know uh, used up because you've been sleeping with it or whatever. But this is how this is how it was because she didn't know. So this is spiritually speaking, the spiritual connotation to this is that we need to be ready. At all times, we need to be constantly ready. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we need to constantly be aware of the times and the seasons and, and everything that is surrounding us because the bridegroom cometh at a day and at a time, at an hour where no man knows except the Father. So we ought to be ready. Amen. So I want you to go to Matthew 24, chapter 24, verse 36, Matthew 24, 36. And Jesus here says, but of that day, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son. This is a capital S. He's talking about himself, but the father alone. We just talked about that. Go over to Matthew 24, uh, verse 42 and verse 44. It says, therefore, be on the alert. This is Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, be on the alert for you, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Verse 44 says, for this reason, you almost also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So we have no idea. So again, in Matthew 25, 6 and verse 13, on the parable of the ten virgins, I'm going to say, uh, read you those, those scriptures again. It says, but at midnight there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. And then verse 13 says, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I, I, this, is, this is something that needs to be repeated in our minds constantly because we need to be ready. We need to be dressed and ready to go, like the title of this message, because we do not know the time. John 14, verse 3. Jesus says, again, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come 
again and receive you to myself that where i am there you may be also this right here is a perfect depiction of the rapture the catching away of the church jesus here himself is is giving us this rapture uh, uh, uh theology right here he's saying if i go to prepare a place for you then that means that i'm going to come again and i'm going to receive you to myself what does that depict? That, that depicts a catching away. That, that depicts a snatching. That depicts a, an immediate taking up and, and, and being with Jesus forever and ever. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says the following. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. For those of you that want to catch up a little bit here. It says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. I wish I had time to go into dissecting these verses, but I won't for today. But watch this. Verse 15 says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And it's talking about those who have already died in Christ. It goes on to say, verse 16, for the Lord himself, the Lord, everybody say the Lord himself, say it again, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a Shout, look at that word shout again. And we saw it in the parable of the 10 virgins with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. There's that word rapture. There's that word caught up, which is uh, um, uh, the Greek raptured. Uh, that's where we get the word actually raptured. It says in verse 17, then we who are alive and will and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, I love verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, these words are comforting. These words are for us to comfort one another. These words are for us to encourage one another. Hallelujah. That the Lord is coming. That we are going, if we are ready, if we are prepared, like the five uh, wise virgins, if we are dressed and ready to go, hallelujah, if we, if we are in covenant with the Father, amen, if the Father sees us, if Jesus sees us and we are without spot and wrinkle, we will be caught up in the air to be there with the lord that where he is we will also be i want to point out something absolutely marvelous that is revealed during the time of the fetching of the bride in the galilean wedding tradition i want i don't want you to miss this 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 to me, the more I learn the word of God and the more that it confirms so many beautiful revelations that God has given us uh, through his word, I, I, I have to say that 
this here was one of those things that made me almost just jump up and run around my entire house and screaming and hollering and praising God because this was so beautiful. Watch, watch what this revelation of a Galilean wedding tradition uh, uh, correlates with the fetching of the bride. There, there was something called the litter. There was something called the litter, and it was used by the friend the, by the friends of the groom to carry the bride in order to be taken to her betrothal to her betrothed. So essentially, she was she was placed in this litter. She sat there in this litter, and she was lifted up in the air, and she was taken to. Her betrothed she was carried away to her betrothed do you see the parallel of the rapture she was carried away she was lifted up and taken to her betrothal you know god's word just excites me so if you're sitting there like a lump on a log and not getting excited about this hey take it up with the lord but this excites me i have to tell you i if if I could, I'd jump around and do a few laps here, but then I wouldn't be in front of the camera. And then you guys would figure that I've gone nuts. But inside, I am just jumping for joy because this is so beautiful. God's word is so beautiful. God's promises are so amazing. God's word is so revelatory, so rich. Oh my gosh. So we've got to get excited about this. Amen. So those are the scripture verses uh, pertaining to the, the bride being fetched. Okay, so we're winding this down a little bit here because then we've got the wedding ceremony and the consummation. The wedding ceremony and the consummation. You see here, there would be a private wedding ceremony. In the privacy of the bridal chamber, the bride and groom consummate their marriage. Revelation 19, 7 through 9 this is a scripture verse, verses of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Hallelujah. Verse 8, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, this is John writing. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And that's us, hallelujah. And he said to me, these words are true words of God. Can you glorify the Lord Jesus Christ with this? What a beautiful depiction of the marriage supper of the lamb, the marriage of the lamb. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And then we have the marriage feast, uh, the marriage supper of, of the Lamb uh, here in, um, in Matthew 22. Two. Uh, this is the parable of the marriage feast. And it says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And I'm not going to read throughout 
uh, verses uh, 14, but you can do that at your leisure. But here Jesus talks about the parable of the marriage feast, and it's very interesting to study. And if I try to get into that, we're going to just kind of deviate from the message today, so I won't go through that. And then also we have, again, Revelation 19, 7 through 9, that you can read again, which we just read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. It's worth repeating a very crucial fact when it comes to the parable of the ten virgins. And I'm going to repeat it again. I mentioned last week that I'm going to repeat it today so that it's fresh in your minds. Jesus here reveals something that I believe is very alarming. Something very alarming. And that is that when he returns for his church, when he returns for the bride, when he returns at the time of the rapture, only half the church will be ready and prepared for his return. And, and, and that is a sobering thought. Only half the church. There, there were 10 virgins, 10 brides, and only half went to be with the bridegroom. That's alarming. Only half will be dressed and ready to go, having put on righteousness, having put on holiness, having put on sanctification, being set apart from the likeness of the world. Those are the five wise virgins. In this prophetic parable, Jesus prophesied about the falling away of half the church. And I really do not know about you, but me personally. And pastor and I constantly talk about that. And we pray because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, be careful of the things that you watch out there. Be careful of even some of the preaching that you listen to, because there are a lot of erroneous teachings and preachings out there. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of teachings and theologies that do not come in line with the word of God. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit of truth to bring to your attention what is right and what is wrong. What comes in line with the word of God and the heart of God and what does not. I'm not going to go into that today. We touched on it quite at length before. We touched on it at, during the seven the messages to the seven churches in Revelation. I want you to go back and listen to those again. But I want you to be aware of the things you are allowing to come into your ears, your eyes, your spirit man. There's a lot of erroneous teachings out there. And you need to be careful because although it might sound good, although the teaching or the preaching might sound good, there will be there will be half of the falling away, half of erroneous teachings that the Lord is going to say, I don't know who you are. I never knew you. And that's a very sobering thought, a very alarming thought. My question to you today is, are you ready for him? Are you? Are you ready for him? Is your lamp trimmed and burning? Are you actively walking with Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God and 
on a passionate pursuit for him? Or are you lukewarm? Are you in a spirit of lukewarmness where you could have it one way or another? Going to church is not a big deal. Missing church is not that much of a big deal. You know, I, I, the day is absolutely beautiful outside. Why don't we go to the beach or why don't we have a picnic instead? Why don't we stay home and sleep for a little bit? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're caught off guard, if you're caught sleeping, I have news for you. There's going to come a time where the door is going to be shut. Just like in the days of, Moses, of uh, Noah, where the ark, the door of the ark was shut by Almighty God and no one could open that door. You see, Noah couldn't shut that door because if it was Noah the one who shut that door, if if he were to hear the, the people, when he heard the people crying out and banging on the ark to let them in, Noah would have let them in. But God closed that door and he sealed it and no one else could come in. And Noah and his family were saved together with the animal kingdom. And so I tell you this morning, if Jesus were to return today, today at this very hour, would you consider yourself ready to go with him? Ask yourself that question. Let's make an honest examination of our hearts today and make the things we need to make right, right. Today, now, not tomorrow. The decision-making is not tomorrow. It is now. It is prevalent in this very moment, in this very hour. We have to make the, ne the necessary changes. If you're holding unforgiveness toward anybody, forgive. I urge you to forgive. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses for the decisions that you can make today for tomorrow. Don't hold off. Don't make excuses, people. If you're holding unforgiveness toward anybody, forgive. If you're holding resentment, forgive. If, if you're not living 100% right for God, and listen, I don't need to tell you. I don't need to point my finger at you. You know this yourself. If you're not living 100% right for God, make the necessary changes. Self-correct. Repent. If you know that there is sin in your life, repent and ask God for forgiveness. Listen, no matter what it is, but we do have to come to a place of repentance and ask God to forgive us. We can't just flippantly say, well, I, 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 I sinned and so God's going to forgive me. No, you need to repent. And you need to make that turnaround. You need to self-correct. You need to ask God, Lord, forgive me for I've sinned and I've fallen short of the mark, short of the glory of God. Forgive me. I, I choose today to turn around and do what is right in your eyes. Don't be caught off guard. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get caught on the other side of the door like the foolish brides who knocked and Jesus said he never knew them. For those of you that are at our church physically at 81 Hook Square, would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you this morning, besides all of those questions I just asked, if you're not right with God and you know it, and you need to get right, today is the day for your rededication. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Today is the day of salvation. Don't hold off 
this decision for another day because I have news for you. You may leave your place of, of where you're at right now, whether it's church, whether it's your home, whether it's in your workplace, wherever it is that you're at right now, wherever you're watching from, and anything can happen. Anything. You could be struck by lightning. I don't, I don't speak that over your life in Jesus' name, but anything can happen. What I want you to get an understanding about is that you're not promised tomorrow. Anything can take place. We've got to be ready because guess what? When we have that covenant with Jesus, it could happen at any moment. We could go, go to be with the Lord, lest the Lord tarries at any moment. But guess what? If we're right with God, we're going to be before the presence of Almighty God and enjoy the riches and the goodness of Him forevermore, for all eternity, because that's what Jesus came to do, is to promise us eternity with Him. So here's your decision-making. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Will you, if you've accepted the Lord, Will you make things right with him today? Will you pray with me this morning and say, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for missing the mark. Forgive me, Lord, for my lukewarmness. Forgive me for making excuses not to serve you. I turn around, I repent, and I ask you to forgive me. And today is a new day. I take up that cup, Jesus, and I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. And now I know that I am in covenant with you and I belong to no other. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal God's word in my life every time I open the word. And I thank you for this. Be with me forevermore, Lord. And I say I love you. And I will live with you forever. In Jesus' holy and precious name. If you prayed that prayer, I am here to welcome you to the family of God. If you prayed that prayer in our church for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. If you rededicated your life right there in our church, just raise your hand. If you're home watching this and you did this for the first time, raise your hand as, as, as a testament that you did this. Hallelujah for the first time where you rededicated your life to Jesus. Hallelujah. And I know that uh, we're going to pray for you and we're going to lift you up before the throne of God every single day. Our prayer for you is like the one that Paul prayed over the believers in Philippi. And we talked about this last week and that's in Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And it says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And also in that of Luke 21, 36, that we would watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now next Sunday, Minister Yanni is going to conclude our series, so I don't want, to, want you to miss coming to church at 10 in the morning. 
Uh, don't forget, we have services throughout the week. You can go to vi visit us at our uh, wordoffaithglobal.org. Like us on our Facebook page and our Instagram and our YouTube channel so you can get notified when we're on the air. Praise God. Now, Pastor Hilda is going to come up and pray with those that are in our Miami Springs location as we close. But we want to say to you that Pastor and I love you. We bless you. We're constantly in prayer for you. And we are going to be seeing you soon. Tune in on Wednesday for our Wednesday night of service. We love you. God bless you. Go in peace. Take care.